BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there. We wanted to take a second before we get into this episode to thank you for listening. We really, really love getting to do this show and your support, whether it's by subscribing, leaving us a review, or supporting our advertisers is what makes it possible. We are ridiculously grateful. And I'm sorry that I'm going to do a whole like people are asking influencer energy thing here, but sometimes people do in fact ask us if there are other ways that they can support us. Friends, the answer is yes. Um, Our secret menu membership program is a once weekly members only newsletter that costs four bucks a month and your first month's fee goes straight to charity. We cover all sorts of topics. We're talking shopping, gifting, food, entertainment, even advice, and of course, snacks. You can sign up for it all at a thing or two hq.com to start receiving it. And you'll even get access to all the back issues you missed. And if you've made it this far without subscribing to our free Monday newsletter, well, what are you doing? Go ahead and rectify that also at a thing or two hq.com. If all of that sounds like too much effort, we get it. Maybe just take 15 seconds to go smash some stars for us in the rating section of Apple Podcasts. That helps a ton, truly. Thank you. Now on to the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two hq. So you and I both read a romance novel recently, separately. Separately. We didn't even talk about the fact that we were going to no. do it, which is weird for us. <laughs> it's like, no. You know, I was listening to another like pals podcast recently and they talked about how they didn't really like, yeah. yeah, they like didn't really talk about stuff like podcasty stuff separate from the podcast. So it was all fresh. And I was like, wow, what must that be like to like have all not, fresh to be like learning new things about your friend <laughs> on the podcast? Like that would be wonderful, I guess. Like nice, but I can't imagine how we would accomplish that. But we did in this one moment, you were like, so over the weekend, I listened to this book, The Roommate. And I was like, I've read that. You did. I read, did I listen to it? Yeah. Cause you had a migraine. You told me you listened. You're to right. It. You're right. I did. Which is also I, probably a topic for a separate podcast about how you're really into listening to to romance I'm, novels. I'm actually not, Claire. Okay. It just like was a, what was available at the library. Ah, um, okay. I, I rented it from the library, and it had okay. come up, and it, it <laughs> like was you rented it from. The <laughs> <laughs> I rented it from the library. That's the truth. Yep. Not that's what people say, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, but it did serve me incredibly well that day because I had a terrible migraine yep. that was making me super light sensitive. And so mm-hmm. I like crawled back into bed at 11 a.m., pulled the covers <laughs> over my head, put my headphones in, <laughs> listened 
to an incredibly steamy romance novel. So steamy. So the roommate is about this like 20 something super accomplished, like waspy Connecticut girl who drops everything in her life in New York to go be roommates with her high school love basically in LA. And as soon as she and gets her, like, just like a long time crush, yes, unrequited, exactly. everything. Yeah. Right. It totally. So when I say love, it was a one-sided love. Yeah. And then she gets there only to find out that the guy she moved there for is going on tour with his band. The premise is like as ridiculous as anything. And so and she he feels like a real Adam Brody character. Totally. To totally. Yes. Um, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So she is stuck living with the guy he subletted his room to, who turns out to be like a mainstream famous porn star. Right, like the kind of porn star who gets magazine profiles written about him and like Marie Claire or something. <laughs> like this was honestly maybe one of my favorite things about the book was just the idea that this would be like a normal thing because there just are so few like mainstream famous porn stars in general, but they're all women. Like yeah. I I couldn't oh. name a single male porn star, but like well, Jenna Jameson, Ron, Sasha Ron Gray. Jeremy, you could name, but you, true, but true. you'd rather not be able to. <laughs> But this guy in the book, the character is meant to be like this sort of like feminist porn star. No, kind of like boy next door vibe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, totally. Like a nice guy who's all about just like the female orgasm. So the book (laughs) unfolds as you might expect. It's got like this sort of like clever conceit about (laughs) them launching a startup around like teaching sex positivity. Yeah, sex like, positivity and like and g- giving women more orgasms. It's so steamy, it's so porny. The whole book is so ridiculously porny. I I learned that it has been described as a raunch com, a term that. that I did not know and that when I like looked it up I was like where why have I not heard this before? It slash mm-hmm. is it new? It's mostly been applied to male centric entertainment. Like basically anything Judd Apatow has ever mm-hmm. done has been called a raunch com. Yes. Um that okay. makes sense. Fine. fine. Fine, fine. I did think, like, in retrospect, as I was thinking about it for this, I was like, I guess one thing I didn't totally appreciate it is it is, like, kind of metal. Like, it's a porn within a porn a little bit. Like, <laughs> all of the sex scene setups are so porny. In, and it's also about the porn industry. And I was yes. like, oh, that's clever. I guess yes. I like, I appreciate that. Because it works within the premise of the book. And the other yes. thing that, like, just works within the premise of the book and felt, I think, right to both of us is that it is, like, as we mentioned, feminist and sex mm-hmm. positive, and it has contemporary views of sex work. And like all of those things felt great. The one piece of criticism that we had, if we yeah. had any, was that basically, if you liked the idea of you, it's not as just like chic and stylish um, yeah. <laughs> as all of that. <laughs> right. It's not going to give you the that level of romance that you're looking for. Well, not even that level of romance. Well, well I romance. mean the like the, the like romance of sexy, fancy LA. And, Correct. And references that really land. And I also was a little bit surprised by that because this Clar- Clara, the main character, mm-hmm. does feel like a fancy enough girl that when she moved to LA, I expected her to be picking up takeout at Jones on 3rd. Like mm-hmm. I wanted some of those references, yep. like the sort of basic fancy yeah. girl LA references that I thought we would get but didn't. I also just struggle anytime in 
any romance novel where they're like describing fashions or hairstyles that don't land for me as feeling attractive. <laughs> I'll have to stop on the page for like a good 60 seconds and like rework it in my head and be like, so she said cardigan, but maybe it's like a chic crew neck cardigan, like buttoned all the way. And like, she's not- it's like a one and then like, cardigan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, cool. Got it. I can move on. <laughs> I've got to rework it in my head because it wasn't my aesthetic style, but you know, I really enjoyed it. I, one thing is that it made me feel really old because the two main characters have various hookups before they ever sort of like confess their love to each other. And I struggled with this idea that like they had been hooking up kind of regularly, but still felt that they hadn't acknowledged like to themselves or to each other that they were attracted to one another. And I was like, how does that work? <laughs> and then I was like, right. Because when you're like in your twenties and you're just like engaged in hookup culture, it's like fine to like have these sexual encounters with people and be also- like, let's just see. <laughs> yeah. And to be like, of course that meant nothing. And like, of course I'm not attracted yeah. to you. And that was a big hump for me. And it just made me realize how far- removed like at this point in my life I am from that like stage because you know we yeah I was because we were once in our 20s exactly and I was, that's it I was just like it it really like for a good three quarters of the book I kept being confused and being like but they already hooked up what's what's the tension here and then I was like oh that doesn't mean you know that you like each other got it okay or even are drawn to one another right <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this is the author Rosie Dannon's debut novel. And there's a second book in the same universe, I guess, mm -hmm. as we would say. Yes. It's coming out in April that we're very excited about called The Intimacy Experiment. And it is about Josh's ex, Naomi. Josh is the mainstream porn star. Um, <laughs> Josh's ex, Naomi, and a hot rabbi named Ethan. Um, the premise so is so great. It's like he's got to save his failing synagogue. <laughs> and, like, and she's here to help. Yeah, exactly. You get it. Thank you so much to Clarence for sponsoring today's episode. So I reached a real milestone in the aging process recently. Um, which milestone, was, milestone. You know what? My mother always says it's better than the alternative aging. So and I like to right. think of these as achievements. <laughs> yes. And my latest achievement was that I have a super puffy face every morning when I wake up, which I recognize as a sort of universally acknowledged thing, but I just... Had it hadn't really been a problem for me most of my life. And then I realized recently, oh, this is something that happens pretty much every morning for me. I wake up, I'm somewhat unrecognizable. And honestly, 80% of it is just pure puffiness around my eyes. And it never even occurred to me that an eye cream might be the answer to this for several reasons. One of which is I've always been a tiny bit skeptical of eye creams. I'm just going to say it. And B, they're also the sort of thing that I assume that if they work at all, it's the kind of thing where it's like, it's targeting wrinkles. It's targeting dark circles. You work with you're doing this overnight, over, exactly like over months. <laughs> yes, and you're doing it consistently. And six months later, you realize, oh, I, you know, my my crow's feet are better. So then though, Clarence recently sent us their new total eye lift, which is honestly all of these things. It's the complete package. So it is naturally powerful all-in-one anti-aging eye cream with lift effect expertise that targets wrinkles, crow feet, dark circles, and that puffiness. So you get a visible eye lift in record time. And honestly, Erica, you can see it work right away. Like I put it on in the morning and I watch the puffiness go down. So it is going to also help me with the crow's feet and the dark circles, but I'm just amazed at how quickly it makes me, you know, Zoom ready in the morning. We know you're here for the here and now. I'm, that's, <laughs> you know this about me. You know this about me. I'm not a patient person. 
The plant-based formula is fueled by ingredients of 94% natural origin, including their exclusive new lift smoothing duo, which is a blend of organic herringana extract and cassie flower wax for visible lifting and wrinkle smoothing effect. And you don't rub it in because you know, whenever you get like a facial or read like a allure or whatever, they'll be like, don't rub around your eyes, like tap with your ring finger. I feel like they're like, put this product on your face without actually using your hands is usually the party line. Walk into it. Yes. <laughs> yes. So in this case with total eye lift, you just, you know, tap it, press it against your, under your eyes, over your eyelids, onto your lashes, and you're good to go. It's suitable for all ages, skin types. That includes contact lens wearers and those with sensitive eyes. Give your eyes a visible lift in 60 seconds flat. Discover more at ClarenceUSA.com and get 10% off with the code a thing or two. That's 10% off at ClarenceUSA.com with code a thing or two. Thank you so much for supporting the sponsors that make it possible for us to bring you this show for free every week. Once again, that's ClarenceUSA.com and use code a thing or two for 10% off. Hey girl, hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all. But then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. Okay. So I feel like we have done various follow-up episodes since I just announced to everybody that I was going to become a mother about what it's like to have actually become a mother. But we never really did any follow-up episodes for you about what it's, you know, you, we talked about how you're like, I'm not having kids, but yes. I feel like since then, well, A, I've had a kid for one and B, I do think that more of your friends have, have in general have had kids. Totally. That's true. And more of my friends also just like in close proximity to me physically, you yes. know what I mean? Like, because I some of my high school friends had kids before and my college mm -hmm. friends, but less of my New York friends did. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think like the way that kids are present in my social life, I guess, yeah. I don't know, is different than it was when we talked about this before. Um, and the sort of like, if you haven't listened to our previous episode about deciding to or not to have kids, we will link to that. But the quick refresher is that I've known that I didn't want to have kids since I was like 18 couldn't tell you like how or why I came to that, but I just had this sense that it was like not for me. I also wrote about this for Refinery29 a couple of years ago, and I will link to that. And another essay that I really enjoyed recently was one that Grace Atwood wrote. And she also gets into the perspective of being a single person who doesn't want kids, mm -hmm. um, which comes with a different host of complications or ex explainers. Yeah. And she writes really like honestly about how, yeah, A, that she seems to attract men who really want kids and <laughs> yep and be how like at this stage dating, in her life like dating yeah. and having to express those things yeah and point. she feels yeah. like she wants it to be clear from the get-go so she's not like starting to date these guys who it's really important for them to have kids and she's like I'm not gonna do it yes totally totally but you're right that it's like now that there are more parents in my life and more kids in my life I have been thinking more about like, oh, how does like how does this play out or how does it affect right. me or what are the ways that this like comes up in my day to day, I guess. Yep. And one of the things I was thinking about is 
just the like, I've watched you over the last couple of years develop uh, friendships that are based on parenthood. Mm-hmm. Um, or to, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe they're not, Claire. But like to me, <laughs> right? feel that way yeah. as an outsider. Yeah. They're at least like forged on the basis of having yeah. kids that are about the same age right, right. or wanting to have like someone to have like a smart conversation with at the playground right. while you're pushing swings yeah. um, or whatever and feeling a certain amount of jealousy yeah. of those friendships being like, oh, you have a means, like a built-in ma- way of making new friends. Totally, totally. And I, it's funny because I don't, <laughs> it would never occur to me that you'd be jealous because I was, <laughs> even though like, and obviously, because we're all so self-centered too. It's yes. like why I would, because I look and I'm like, God, you have so much time to just like have friendships not based on parenting. <laughs> totally. To- listen, every single thing I'm about <laughs> right. to say today yeah, is like yeah. a, two sides of one coin. Totally. There's not a single thing. No. And I think like, it's interesting because I, yeah, I, you know, we see each other's calendars all the time or or we can see each other's calendars. And I look and I'm like, oh, that must be nice to just like go on a walk at like 5 PM and not worry about like getting your kid and like, you know, stuff like that. And, and you're right. I mean, I think especially during this last year, which has added like a whole nother layer for both of us, I'm sure to the idea of like having or not having kids, it has become one of those things where you're talking to parents about just like, what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing with yeah, your yeah, kids yeah, yeah, type yeah, of yeah, thing? Yeah. And like, yes, how are you yes. grappling with this? Well, and I think part of it, it's like, as you become an adult, obviously there are just like less ways to meet people mm-hmm. um, and less ways to bond with people. And so, you know, there was a, the natural thing that happens when you're 22 and you're like, oh, I don't have school anymore as a means of making friends. Mm-hmm. And I guess I have to like make effort with people I work with now. That's a thing. I don't know. Well, but that's also, okay. So this is another reason I think it would never occur to me because you're really good at that stuff. Like you have made so many new friends since college in a way that I haven't because I'm much less likely. I don't feel that way. Put at myself all. out there. Really, I really no. think that. I think you're so good at friend dates. Where I get so <laughs> nervous about new friend dates. I don't feel that way about you either. <laughs> it's fascinating. Okay, see, while well, you were talking about wanting to like learn things about each other yeah. on this podcast, and we're learning in real time. Here you go. I, and part of it, I think, too, is just me being a little butt sore about the fact that there isn't community around mm-hmm. not having kids in this way that there is community around parenting. And there was an Anne, uh, Helen Peterson installment of her newsletter, Culture Study, a couple of weeks ago that was actually about being single during a pandemic. But one of the lines in it that was just like useful for me for framing was the nuclear family has become the primary unit of thinking when it comes to the way society is organized. And it's like mm-hmm. such a duh, like, yeah, of course it is. Like, why is this a revelation for me? But I do think because that's the case, there are just it feels more natural to seek support in other parents than it would be to like seek support in other non-parents. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, something that you and I talk about a lot in general is even like the language we use and something that used to drive me crazy when we were working at Bed Bath & Beyond, which owns Bye Bye Baby, is the term, when you start a family. Meaning when you have kids. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that. No, you start a family like when you decide who your family is, not, you know, and it's not when you get married. It's not when you have a baby. It's like when you are deciding who, you know, your people are. And yeah, I think that is one of those persistent yet totally outdated ideas that we just have yet to tackle as a society. And I think it's because it's all intertwined with the fact that like there's not nearly enough support for parents and that's been so exacerbated by the pandemic. And so we're not even yet ready to grapple with like the fact that the entire way we we like consider the structure is is screwed. Yes, 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 yes. 
And something that I've been thinking about and had wanted to do over the last year was to try to like build some of that support for myself um, and to figure out like, is it like a meetup or is it like an email list or are there people that, you know, I do, I feel like I have like in my head, like the list of like, these are the nine other people I know that um, have expressed to me that they don't want to have kids. And is there a way that I could be like doing something to cultivate a community there? Um, and as I'm saying this, like I like really only had thought about it as an in-person thing. And obviously there are other ways to do it, but like maybe that was also just me like dragging my feet of being like, I don't know, like what, how to, what to, how to do here. Right. But those things, I mean, I don't know. It takes a lot of guts too. All right. So I'm curious, you and I were actually at a, you know, outdoor socially distance, et cetera, et cetera, baby shower recently. And I was like, oh, it's like pretty much all moms or like soon to be moms in this situation. And that is kind of a new experience for us where I feel like at least amongst our mutual friends, we're rarely in those situations. And I'm like, oh, you're starting to be in these situations where you're like, the conversation is naturally gravitating towards parenting and stuff like that. And then you and I were in a car with somebody and we got into like deep nitty gritty around disciplining and stuff. And I'm like, oh God, Erica's like probably so miserable in this conversation right now because what does she do? Like does not care about the nitty gritty of discipline methods. So I'm curious what that has been like and sort of what you're take on all of that is? Well, you pointed out something to me, which I think was really helpful for me to frame it because I was a tiny bit miserable (laughs) in that situation. And I was like, why am I miserable in this situation? But I'm happy to talk to you about like Cam's developmental stuff or happy Mm -hmm. to talk or like down to talk to other friends about what their kids are going through. And I think it is that the difference was the comfort level of being like, oh, this is someone whom I'm friends with, who I can give feedback, who I feel like I have something to say. My take is this, even though my take doesn't matter at all. Um, Just feeling like I can engage. Whereas the conversation at the end of this baby shower was with someone who I don't know that well. And I felt like, I'm like, who am I to be like, oh, like, where'd you get that disciplining approach? Or like, whatever. Like, if I were that parent, I'd probably be like, who are you to have an opinion about this? Totally. And I... That's probably the right approach. And I, but what I realized when I was thinking about like, why am I so comfortable accepting your advice about this as a non parent? It's because I've never been a parent of a two year old and neither have you. So, as far as I'm concerned, you and I have sort of like, we're going on the same information here. Okay. 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 So yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I welcome your input as I would like if you were my co-parent in this situation. And like, of course you are sort of a co-parent for me because you're such a big part of Cam's life. And so you are, you know, involved in raising him. But I think I'm like, I don't know, you're an educated person with a unique perspective and like interesting opinion. So I'm interested in your opinion about- Well, that's all very nice, Claire. (laughs) Yeah. But I also get that you're like, I don't want to tell this like other mom that I don't know who's raised two kids, you know, what my thoughts on this are. But I also do think that this time, as you mentioned, is a specific one in that parents are looking for like more- um, how are you doing it? Problem solving, mm-hmm. like, um, like crowdsourcing. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I do think some of that happens like all the time naturally, but right, it's totally. especially exacerbated now when people are feeling more desperate for it. Right. Right. And it's like not um, happening in the communal spaces that it normally would like in school or whatever. Exactly. And so if you have like six minutes of someone's time to be like, how are you dealing with the fact that right. your kid is doing this thing? Like is our children are both biting. What are we doing? I mean, obviously there's been tons of differences in our lives um, since I've had a kid and you haven't that where it's like really starkly obvious that I have them grappling with this. But 
and you don't have to, but I think the most obvious sort of, or or so the most prominent one has just been during quarantine and realizing like, I now have to figure out how we're dealing with childcare and how to raise a child in this new normal. And you have not <laughs> had to do yeah. that. And I'm curious what, I mean, it, it's not as if um, you needed any sort of validation of your choice not to have kids. So I'm curious what that, what that perspective has been like for you. I mean, I think the fact that our society is so fucking shitty to parents and to moms in particular has just come into such sharp focus over the last year. And it's really hard to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I were ever to envy parents, now has not been the time. (laughs) If that, if that makes sense. I feel such rage about the, the way that parents have been and are treated um, and and like the lack of support they've been given. And I think the other part of it that's like, the other part of like, I haven't been envious of parents during this is like, well, no one chose this. Like right. this isn't what anyone signed up for. So it's it's like, it's also hard to be like, well, of course I don't want this. No one wanted this. No one, <laughs> like no, no right. one in their right mind would right. have been like, well, I just want to stay in my house with potentially my co-parent and my child or three um, <laughs> and just us to all be doing Zoom just screen. this together. Well, yeah. yeah, we'll be we'll be working, <laughs> we'll be doing school, right. we'll be doing all of it in, within these four walls. Right. And so I think there is also a little bit of this like false sense of like, oh, well, I made the right decision. Well, mm-hmm. I know I made the right decision besides, but this shouldn't be what I'm judging that decision based on. Yes, that makes sense. That fair? That's, that's an incredibly evolved way to think about it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not as if, Obviously, this should go without saying that pandemic has made me, um, you know, that made me regret having a kid. Like quite the opposite, it has brought, you know, he, Cameron has been a singular source of joy in so many really low moments during the last year. But on a practical level, it does, as you say, just like bring into sharp focus the realities of, of the responsibility and the fact that, yeah, there are just very few support structures in place that are like prioritized in this country when when things start to fall apart. Yes. Which I think is also even more irksome when you think about the fact that as we were saying before, our society thinks of things in the form of a nuclear family and right. like yet we can't even figure out how to support a nuclear family. Right. Um so what does that say about our ability to support like people who are on the fringes of, you know, society in any yeah. way shape or form? Like it's just you could boil it's, over. It's really know? depressing. Yeah. And then like, I don't know, it's funny, like on a purely practical level in this new normal, there's things like we never get out anymore, right? But like yeah. when it's nice enough outside and like during the summer when numbers are a little low, you could like go out to dinner outside somewhere. And I was so envious of your ability to do that without like worrying about dinner, dinner. Uh, bedtime, bedtime. Or like yeah, yeah, yeah. or yes. or a babysitter or anything like that, and you're just. I mean, I'm stating I'm stating really obvious, also really first world problems, but just these like things where you're like, I would be having a very different pandemic experience if I wasn't a parent right now. Again, goes without saying, but these little like practical level things where you're like, yeah, and if I had another kid, then what would that look like? Totally. I mean, listen, I get to sleep in on weekends, and mm-hmm. I think of parent friends at eight a.m. when I'm yeah. like in bed. Yeah. Um, and that is something that like I treasure and try not to feel guilt over because again, like it's a decision I made. So but, crazy like, that that would be a guilt thing. I mean, you know, like what, 
Yeah. There's nothing to feel guilty about. This is, and like, I think that's what's hard about this conversation is it's, it tends to be structured as this binary that's like a have or a lack or like a, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, like yeah, not yeah, the yeah, case. Yeah. It's just like, no. you can have a fulfilling life with that you don't have to feel bad about. And I, you know, regardless of which lane you choose. Totally, totally. Thank you so much to Stitch Fix for sponsoring today's episode. Erica, one of the things that you and I talk about at least like I think once a month is the challenge of knowing how to make apparel and fashion recommendations to our audience that are going to feel like they resonate with enough of our audience. Because it's something that a lot of people ask for is like more fashion content, but we want to be conscious of the fact that everybody has different budgets, lifestyles, like personal styles and aesthetics. And, you know, you want to make a recommendation that's going to feel like it has relevance for people. And one of the great things about Stitch Fix is that they take all of that stuff into account. They ask you a ton of questions about what it is you're looking for, you know, what your perspective is on this sort of stuff, what you like to wear. And then they deliver recommendations to your doorstep that are sort of like in line with exactly what you're looking for, which is nice. And it sort of addresses that challenge. It totally does. Stitch Fix offers clothing hand-selected by expert stylists for your unique size, style, and budget. It's a completely different and fun way to find clothes that you're excited about. Every piece is chosen for your fit and your life, and it's the easy solution to finding what makes you look and feel your best. Try on pieces at home before you buy, keep what you love, and return what you don't. Stitch Fix has free shipping, easy returns and exchanges, and a prepaid return envelope is included. There's no subscription required. Try Stitch Fix once or set it up for automatic deliveries. You pay a $20 styling fee for each box, which gets credited toward pieces you keep. And there are no hidden fees ever. Stitch Fix has styles and clothing to fit any occasion for women, men, and kids. They ship all over the US and are available in the UK as well. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash a thing or two, and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash a thing or two for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Stitchfix.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much for supporting the advertisers who make it possible for us to bring you this show by using the unique links and codes they create for us. Thank you so much to Skillshare for sponsoring today's episode. So I have a running joke that I feel like has made it onto this podcast a few times now about how many hobbies my husband has um, and that there's like a hobby for every season, a hobby for every occasion, like hobby, yes. hobby, hobby, hobby. Claire, last night I learned about yet another, <gasps> another. A secret hobby? It was a grade school hobby. Uh, he was really into Ukrainian decorative eggs. Oh my goodness. In grade school, like for a wow. period of time, he was explaining this to me in the context of a place that he used to go for these supplies. And it just, <laughs> it it made me feel even more shame about yeah. how few hobbies I have. And it was mm-hmm. like, God, like you, sir, like surf, ski, Ukrainian decorative egg. Is that a <laughs> you verb? You do it all. You do it all. And like, yeah. I just like don't have any of these things, which has made me even more compelled to like really dig into Skillshare this year, especially because they have just so many amazing creatives who we admire so much. Truly. Like Helen Levy has mm-hmm. um, a class called the, the Art of Ceramics, Creating a Modern Mug. So it's like ceramics, like a ceramicist we love mm-hmm. and mugs, a thing we've talked about ad nauseum. Thing we're super the into. Last year. I do think mug making could be your new hobby. Listen, let's see. Let's see. I mean, it could happen for you. I'm excited for you to, to find Find your to find your hobby calling. That's right. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. There's so much to explore. There are real projects to create, and you have the support of fellow creatives that empowers you to accomplish real growth. 
And the annual subscription is also less than $10 a month, which I feel like for the amount of classes they have and the access you get, that's an incredibly good deal. So explore your creativity at skillshare.com slash a thing or two and get a free trial of premium membership. That's skillshare.com slash a thing or two to get a free trial of premium membership. And what you were saying about Cam bringing you, you know, some of these singular moments of joy during this pandemic, Cam has also brought me moments of joy during this <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. And, but the one thing that I do like have been thinking more and more about, and I think we talked about this on our podcast with our management coach, Ben Michaelis, is that I feel like I have this like lack of milestones mm-hmm. um, or like lack of like natural milestones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that part of that is just, becoming an adult of a certain age and you just, you know, your life isn't in these like four-year increments as it once was where you'd be like, well, you did that, you did that, you did that, check, check, check. And so figuring out how to deal with that and think about that. And I do think that the last year in the pandemic has exacerbated some of that because obviously it is like just very hard to make any personal progress or feel like you're making any personal progress um, when you can't go do, see anything. And there is something about having kids that kids have like built-in milestones. Like right. they learn to sit up. They mm-hmm. like learn to like, they just like, some of this is like because of work and perseverance and, you know, will. And some of it is because their brain develops <laughs> right. and six months later, they can do things they couldn't do before. Right. And I had nothing uh, to do with it, but I get to be like, Cam can suck his thumb now. It's amazing. Yeah. He learned to do that. Like yeah. he, he can sing songs now. Mm-hmm. Like totally. that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I have a six-year-old friend who Mm -hmm. learned to skateboard during this pandemic. (laughs) And listen, I could have done that too if my heart so desired, I suppose, (laughs) but certainly not as quickly. Right, right. (laughs) No, I mean, it's funny, like hearing you talk about all of this and like, right, because you feel like a lack or a guilt or whatever, because the expectation has always been that you would do this, do it this one way. Yes. And, and that like most people would. And I think that's a challenge that I hadn't really considered because, because I am who I am and I'm self-centered and grass is always greener. I'm always just like, God, you've got it good over there. I fucking love my kid, you know, but I'm like, I tend not to consider these perspectives because I'm just like, yeah, it seems really nice not to have to like worry about the money and the time and the da 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 and like get to read and whatever. Um, and all of those yeah. things are also true. All yeah, of those things of are really are. nice. Yeah. And like, I do think the money thing, mm-hmm. you know, not to put too fine a point on it, mm-hmm. but I think now that I've had a better sense of actual costs of childcare or yeah. school or like whatever, I'm more aware of the stressors there in real numbers versus mm-hmm. just like kids are expensive. You know, I've had that experience too, Erica. Surprise. (laughs) But I do just remember people always saying it, being like, kids are so expensive. And me being like, yes, I like generally understand that, but I'm not quite sure like exactly what it looks like. I'm glad that we're talking about this. Me too. What other things have been like surprising or not surprising about, specifically when it's come to our relationship? You know what I've been really surprised by? That Cam gives a shit about me at all. It's so wonderful. He loves you. Yeah, it's like very, <laughs> he like genuinely, like I, w- I would want to be bashful here and disagree and be no, like, but he, no, but he like genuinely. Oh, he gets so excited cares. to see you. He cries when we leave your, your stoop. <laughs> yeah. He, he also really likes Thomas and yes. Thomas finds that to be truly t- like hard to believe because he just hasn't <laughs> spent the time either. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. 
for me, I'm like, mostly I'm like, he must just be familiar enough with my face yeah. and my voice that like that's grown on him or he, right. there's like some comfort taken in that. I mean, I think Thomas, it's just like, it must just be the idea that he's like a cool older boy. Like, I guess so. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. Or that he like goes with you. And I do think yeah. that there's, I mean, and I can kind of remember this too, just being like, ooh, it's like other people who have a different house who are also adults who like are pretty cool to me. And like Thomas will throw snowballs with me. Totally. I will say though that I also have, I'm obviously delighted but have also been surprised because when Cam was a baby, he was really responsive to you, but he was also a baby. And you can't like, trust a baby. You, right. You can't trust them at all. Yeah. And so I was always just like, oh, it's really sweet how he like gets so smiley around Erica and seems really happy around her. And then when he started to be a more discerning person with likes and dislikes, it really stuck. And it was clear that he was like super into Erica and he loves to FaceTime you a lot of mornings and um, gets really excited to go over to your house and just like super, super into you. Big fan of yours. Um, I will also say I distrust babies liking me because babies tend to like me because I have big eyes mm -hmm. and like large features and yeah. they they like that. That's yeah. like one other few things. Well, I think that like Cam has moved on to more um, evolved interests and that's not the reason that he still likes you so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one thing that has surprised me is that I don't feel like being a mom is my entire identity and that that is... No by design and also by privilege, by the way, because like I can afford childcare. And because of that, I think our relationship has stayed largely the same. I think I was worried, had this weird fear that like I would kind of like my entire life would solely revolve around Cam and it would be like all I could think about it and be constantly be pulled in these other directions. And listen, that may still happen where, you know, as he gets older and has different needs or whatever, but that that would be this like stark difference between us. And I think at least where I am right now in parenting, like you and I still largely have the same relationship and I have like time and financial constraints that play into it in a different way is yes is I think and the big thing talk about Cam and we talk about your role as a mother and a parent and a co-parent mm -hmm. um but it's like just one of the many things that we it's yeah. like a new thing on our list you yeah. know like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah you know I'm curious to see how I feel being around kids who are older um, mm -hmm. and like watching, like watching I, them evolve and have personality, like no offense to Cam who is, you know, no. two, mm -hmm. but I think his personality will continue to evolve. And, you know, the ki other kids I know, their personalities will continue to evolve. Um, and I'm curious to see how I see that reflected like back in their parents. And like, I don't know, that dynamic is yeah. super interesting to me and one yeah. that I have, yeah, less experience with. Well, I also think you can really like play the role of the cool aunt in that situation when they get older. You can have the hope and the goal. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, I yeah. if you could be my kid's cool aunt, I would feel safe. Like, yeah, if you guys want to go smoke pot together, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I, over the holidays, was dropping off eggnog with a mm -hmm. friend and um, was talking to him like in a doorway and his daughter came out and she's, uh, how old is she? 11 now, 10. And he was like, go away. We're like having adult conversation. Like you don't need to be here. And she was like, they're my friends too. They're my <laughs> friends too. And I was like, I am extremely flattered right now. <laughs> like this Huge. very cool tween thinks I'm her friend. And like, this is some, this is a vibe That's I want to keep going. Yeah. Totally. I think that that can totally be your vibe. I think it can. I totally. hope so. All right. I have one more question about all of this. Please. As 
more of your like friends and peers have become parents. Have you felt the sort of like shitty pressure or weird questions or judgment or whatever? Has it increased, decreased, stayed the same? Do you feel like people more understanding? Mm. Cause they're like, wow, this is a really big commitment. Maybe you knew what you were doing. I do think that a certain amount of just getting older and being now 38, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's not that like there's just an acceptance, but of of the idea that like, oh, like maybe this is something you genuinely aren't going to do. Right. Um, Whereas when I was like 30, I feel like it was a lot of like, you're going to change your mind. You don't know who you are. You don't know what you want. And now what that did I'm, that jerk say to you when we were recording that like TV segment for work wife publicity? Do you remember in that crappy little studio? And he yeah, of course. The- um, what did he say to me? You know, Claire, it all blurs together. Yeah, because <laughs> I there have yeah. been so many things like that, right. like a like a contractor at some point, you know, he was like, how you know, you're going to have kids soon. I was like, I'm not going to have kids. Yeah. And he was like, why not? Like my kids are my great. You've got to do this, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then I got a whole pitch on his four kids. And I was like, <laughs> why are we, why are we doing this right now? Right. Like right. we're actually here to talk about this basement issue. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are we doing? Oh, man. Um, yeah. But I think there's a little bit less of a sense that I might change my mind. Right. Um, and, you know, that Thomas and I have been together for a long time and seem like pretty firmly planted in this idea that this is this is what's happening. I guess there might also be some, like, unfortunately, fortuitous crossover here between increased awareness of, the, of like, for infertility as an mm. issue and like people's decision by choice not to have kids where it's like I think more and more people just understand like you just don't, it's really that's like not your business and you don't yeah, yeah you yeah, don't need yeah. to get you involved actually don't in need it. to poke around in that exactly yeah, yeah. Um, I do think the only people who have brought it up in the last couple of years have been men over 40 mm-hmm. um, which does <laughs> jibe with the idea that that would be the demographic that would feel right. no qualms with with that issue or the comfort level or whatever yeah you know. Well, I support your decision not to have children, Erica. Thank you. It um, seems pretty nice from the other side as much as I absolutely love my kid. And uh, yeah, you know, I also recognize that, yeah, yeah, it's all trade-offs for sure. It's all trade-offs. For There's sure. No, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and much more on a thing or two HQ.com. 